you know? So of course there can be sex addictions, but you know, the connection that you have in intimacy and sex, you know, satisfies a lot of needs. Yeah. And then those un unmet needs, those then that's where that sort of, you know, if they're not met, then a lot of people develop other addictions to meet those needs. I, I want to challenge you on a couple of things, actually. Yeah. Do you mind if I challenge you? Uh, not at all. Well, okay. Why well, don't we just say, okay, welcome to the Epicist. This is my uh, cohort, Eli, and this is Kelly Knoll, who was on previously uh, a number of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and a uh, fantastic discussion, and it was around sexual health, I think, mostly, right? Was that really what it was about? Well, basically, sexuality for, for sexuality. both men the, and women, yeah. eh? Yeah. And it was such a great discussion. It was such a great discussion, and and well, it's it's just Jay today, but the three guys were like drooling, uh, listening. They didn't admit it, but they were like they, liked they it. were enthralled, and then I was enthralled. Mm. I think you were. Enthralled. I learned a thing or two. I learned a lot of things, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's amazing at my age what little I know about yeah. the well, the female anatomy and the female this and the female that. I know nothing. I just know what I've sort of muddled through over the years and figured out. Well, you, many people were listening because uh, I've been quite busy and it's the kind of work that I, that I want to do, right? That's it's, fantastic. It's, and, and people were inspired to come forward and talk about things that they have not been able to talk about. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so you, uh, the audience knows this is Kelly Knoll of kellysclinic.ca mm -hmm. and uh, she's very limited in her availability because she wants to be select with her clients and, and really just... Kelly is like the most amazing person we're dealing with clients in terms of care. And uh, so I guess the last show did bring you some, some people who are interested some. and that's great. I think one of the most controversial, most controversial topic yeah. was the beaver, the you know, shaving or not shaving. And it was huge. And there was some, you know, there's, I think there's like 2000 comments, you know, really? and some of them are, are, are childish. I would fully expect that. Mm -hmm. But some of them are really like, interesting you know that this sort of debate between hair and no hair and what you talked about i'd never heard before i'd never heard that not having hair is bad for a woman i was pretty like bad I'm, I'm i apologize for saying the word bad i was just saying that it's there for a purpose it's there for a purpose mm. but it's interesting how divided we are probably because of the, a lot of people commenting have only grown up with a you know my partner's always had a shaved vagina and it's always been you know, some are bare, like bare, like baby's bottom bare, right? Mm. And it, they're just used to that. And the idea of um, them seeing a bush is just so foreign to them, you know? We should do a survey one time categorizing millennials, uh, baby boomers, and what they prefer. It could be a, like an era thing, like as we discussed earlier. So I welcome, uh, I welcome the audience to subscribe, first <laughs> of all, and give a thumbs up. And, uh, and give comments, you know? And if you have a topic that you want to talk about, Maybe uh, because I don't think this is the second and last time you're coming, oh. you know, I hope not. And so if you have comments, if you have thoughts about a, uh, you know, a topic that a, a mature topic, not a, a silly topic, but a t mature topic about what should be discussed, put it in the comments or DM me and stuff like that. And we'll, uh, we'll try and get to it, you know, because I think, and especially if you have comments for Kelly, because um, I think it'd be great to focus in on maybe if we had like a hundred people wanting to talk about this one thing it'd be a great thing to talk about 
don't you think? Absolutely. I learned quite a bit myself. Like I learned with the people who've come forward to me. You know, I always assumed that men, you, you men, um, older, like when you're older than 20, yeah. that um, that you you want Just young women, and that and that's it. Like in in you, like sex is about a young woman. And what what's come forward is that there's many men who they're confused by their partners, wives, lack of interest in sex. It's quite confusing and they, and they take it personally. So, so let me share, a, actually yeah. I'm doing a, so, you know, I run a, I lead a couple of men's groups and they're Christian men's groups, but you don't have to be a Christian to be in it. But uh, the topic we're going over now is it's a video series by um, pastor Jimmy Evans. And he's, he's all about marriage. And the one that we did today, we discussed was just around that. So, you know, the number one need of a man is honor and respect. And the second need of a man is sex. When they did a survey of women, it ranked 13th, just behind uh, gardening. <laughs> yeah. But what women's, you know, one of their top needs is non-sexual intimacy, non-sexual touch, non-sexual, you know, the whole, the romance behind mm -hmm. the sex, you know. And it's interesting, some of the comments, you know, guys were just talking rudely about, well, if she can't orgasm, that's her problem. It's like, okay, you know, so we do think about sex a lot. As men, we think about sex a lot. It's, and I think I shared that with you in the last episode that I, uh, you know, there's a tension that builds up. But if I just want to, you know, be like a caveman and drag my woman into the bedroom and have sex with her, well, that's not doing anything for her. You know, it's all the stuff that happens before, days before. You know, hours, days, weeks before that attentiveness and the touch and the discussions and connection and all those things that I believe, and you comment on this, that uh, makes a woman want to have sex with her partner. If the guy's just thinking, I want to get laid, well, you're going to get what you pay for, you know? That's what I think anyways. Well, and I've been surprised at how much intimacy men want. Yes. That... So I was brought on the show to teach you guys about women, but I've actually learned a lot about men, and I have a lot to apologize for because I just sort of thought you guys were cavemen. Most some of, of us are. I, I just no, I did. I, mean, I know there are. I, I think we get better with time. Yes, you, you know. I do. think as we get older, we start to realize I, uh, it's not about us. Not to drag our knuckles on the ground. Yeah, oh, you guys, you really, you, you're, you're like, you know what? With age, you, gentlemen. Yeah. Well, and we just. You know, through bad experiences, our own bad experiences, we start to, I, hopefully, we start to learn it's not about us. It's about a partnership. It's about both people getting the best out of that relationship. And it's not about me getting my woman in the bedroom and, and having sex and then falling asleep or, you know, happy if she leaves the room and none of that, you know, there's cuddling after, there's discussion, there's, there's sleep, hopefully. It's a, it's a good sleep aid, eh? Oh, my gosh. It's a good sleep aid. I when I have make love to my wife that night, I will never sleep as good as that night. Like that night is the best night, you know? I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, what a sleep. What happened? Oh yeah, I had sex last night. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing is not just the sexual, you know, because sex is like a release of something, right? But the intimacy, I find intimacy, well, I think the connection of marriage, and I'm, I'm big on marriage, the commitment of marriage, then all the pre- non-sexual stuff and then sex it's just like it's magnified a thousand times you know that feeling 
Because it's then it's not just about sex. It's not just about an orgasm. It's about all the feelings wrapped up in that, right? And the connection, and the depth of that connection. I think that's what I think. And I'm 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 going a little more basic. I'm I'm thinking <laughs> chemistry is very important. I I would have yeah. chemistry. The the sexual chemistry is needed. Um, to begin with, I know we lose it in time, no doubt. but but Do how important? Well, at times when our when our relationships are struggling, oh, yes, yes, the yes, chemistry yes, comes yes. and and it's it's how do you like how do you maintain that chemistry? And and I think it, romance. Yeah. So I think you know one of the um, things that, that a man's you know responsible for is to, is leadership. That a woman wants leadership from her her, her husband. Not not uh, leadership by by force, leadership by example, leadership by uh, by romance, leadership by encouragement, leadership by all the wonderful things that one human being can offer to another. So it's not like the the caveman version of leadership, you know. It's not like you know the old old school. Like I'm I'm the head of the household. It's not that kind of head household. It comes with a lot of responsibility. It comes with sacrifice. It comes with uh, with servanthood. You know. So what I'm learning, actually, at this late age in my, in my life is I need to be a servant king. I need to be a, a sacrificial king. You know, whether you believe in Jesus or not, Jesus was, if you believe what he was, he was a God, and, but he came as a servant to sacrifice himself for everybody. And he's the ultimate example of, of manhood, you know? And so it's about that sacrifice. It's about serving my wife. And so, uh, you know, she's going to this weekend retreat this weekend, and we were talking the other day, and she was telling me that uh, she's she's so busy, you know, and she, she's, um, you know, because we live separately right now, and she's not um, keeping up with cleaning and all that stuff. And it was just on my heart, and I hate cleaning my house. I have a housekeeper. Well, so do I. Yeah. But I, my Eli heart just said, I Eli want to clean cleaning. your place. I said, when you're away for the weekend, can I go in and clean your place? And she says, you hate cleaning. I said, wow, yeah. you really want to get laid. <laughs> That's right, yeah. No, I, I really felt come like... On, yeah, come, come on, my heart, I really, come on, buddy, come I, I wanted her to come away from this beautiful weekend coming home to a clean place. Well, you know be, I mean? that helps. That'll, yeah. that'll get you points. I, it's not it's for points. Win. It really isn't. It was really a But it's a, a kind, right? Yeah. It, like, she likes things clean. Anyway, yeah, yeah. anyway I'm making you... Code. We, we need to do a whole other show on sex, right? Yeah. Sex love and marriage <laughs> and and mental health and addiction right because i feel a lot of addictions you know come from poor, like not like poor connections and feeling empty and lonely and to you know so of course there can be sex addictions but you know the connection that you have in intimacy and sex you know satisfies a lot of needs yeah and then those un, unmet needs those then that's where that sort of you know, if they're not met, then a lot of people develop other addictions to meet those needs. Absolutely. And I, I'm no stranger to that. But So let's talk about, uh, I think we want to talk about um, mental health. And so this is something that you're passionate about, I think. You said that you are really passionate about mental health. And, and addic the, the and addiction side, right? So, I mean, and absolutely, I, I, I am. Um well, because very similar to female sexuality and, and talking about the vagina, you know, addictions, it can, it, there can be, a, like, addictions are, so, there's so much shame around people's addictions. Oh, yeah. So it's yet another very important conversation that, that I like to 
I like to bring because it, it affects everyone's health, right? Like on that note of addictions, yeah. would you classify all addictions having the same undercurrent, the same sort of root cause? I'm confused about addictions. Okay. Is it is it is it in the genes, as some people say? Is it um, a learned behavior? Okay. Can, Can I respond to that? Yeah. I think it's it's what kind of what you were touching on. It's it's missing something, and trying to fill it with something else. You know, it's that. Like I'm a, I'm a recovering addict, recovered addict, I think, you know, it's been 28 years or 29 years, but, uh, you know, in that time when I was using drugs, I was trying to fill a void. Mm -hmm. And when I got clean, then I became addicted to porn and I was addicted. I was trying to fill a void still. I was still trying to fill a void with something else. And I have struggled over the years, not with addiction as such, but trying that struggle of trying to fill a void with the wrong things, you know? And sometimes I try and fill a void with my wife, like I will go to her for my sense of purpose, my sense of uh, identity, my, you know, my, to validate me, all these things that I should be going to God for, that she is not responsible to do those things for me. But it's trying to fill a void. When I feel a little bit empty, I might go to her in an unhealthy way saying, fill this yeah. void for me, you know, and that's not good either, I don't think. So that sounds emotional. Is there a scientific or medical condition that would like addictions could well, be you know, the, and, the, and there's a variety of theories behind, okay, right? Yeah. There's the disease model that you know, you know, there. My my like um, the person that inspired me, the, the professional that inspired me is someone named Gabor Mate. Are you familiar with Gabor? Never heard of her, him. Okay. Is it a her or him? It's it's a him, and okay. he was he's a, a Canadian physician, and he specializes in addictions, and you know he has. He, he is a such he takes such a compassionate approach to the you know the the, the underlying cause of, of most addictions and it's usually pain some form of pain yes. you know every and and you know and, and until you get to the root cause of that pain th there's going to be a, an addiction and it will manifest in some way you know there's a lot of people who are fortunate enough to have a a workaholism addiction and then they make a lot of money and that's that's considered valid by by society well, it's a standard. mask for the fact they're probably really struggling but they're struggling just yeah. as much as the rest of them it's when there's drugs and alcohol that 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 come into the mix that that's when the genetic component maybe eli is what you're asking about so in terms of alcoholism or you know like in that sense the the disease model is that certain people are wired in a way like we all have trauma and we all have pain, but we're not all addicts. Right. But I also think that it were wired in a sense that, so I, on the first time I ever tried cocaine, I tried it with a friend of mine and she did it and I did the same cocaine and I was it chemically, it just clicked. It's not because I have some, some basic thing that makes me an addict. It chemically, it just clicked with my brain. With her, it was like, oh, I was okay, you know? Yeah. And she, so she didn't, you know, she never became an addict. For me, it just hit the right yeah. things in my brain that made, you know, the dopamine and all that stuff that happens. And I, I think I was addicted from the first time I tried it, you know, because it changed everything in my mind. And I was in pain. Yeah. But I think, you know, I'm not born with an addiction, but I could, you know, for me, alcohol wasn't it. But I know some people who drink alcohol and that's it, you know? Mm -hmm. and But cocaine does nothing for them or smoking mm -hmm. weed does nothing for them. I think it's how it reacts to the body. I think there's a physicality to it, like a physiological. Yes, aspect. absolutely. Being predisposed, yeah. predisposed to some. Uh, yeah. So like I you think, said, yeah, it's, you got is... the pain, then you got this thing you try that connects with your brain mm -hmm. and takes away the pain temporarily. And then it's like, oh, 
well, this is the solution. So I have a question. So, you know, my mentor, Gabor Mate, so he is very compassionate, right? And, and, you know, what I learned from him is you tried cocaine and what, what was that like? Like why I want to know, because I, I personally have never tried cocaine. Um, that's a, that's like a surprise. It it just, it was like a switch that went off in my head. I, I felt amazing. I felt confident. Remember we went out to a nightclub and, uh, I was just talking to everybody and I was, I was kind of timid and broken inside. And so I didn't really, I wasn't really overly social, but now I became the most social guy in the room and I'm dancing with girls and I'm getting numbers. And, you know, I suddenly became this different person. So the underlying issue was pain, you know, and, and, and then when we go to speak about the sort of mental health, like on the spectrum, apparently people who like the feeling of stimulants and cocaine, there's, there could be this potential underlying ADHD component Probably, and yeah. that's why that you know would self-medicate with sure right whereas opposed to somebody who is finds opioids or downers or even alcohol yes. that that's the right? that that's more that's anxiety thing. a lot of times is the underlying root would you say that underlying root is the same for anyone who's addicted to this or that I would say that you'd have to be you know, I'm, I'm no expert, right? It's just from my own experience. I would say that you'd have to like the feel, like what it's doing, yeah, right? It, right. It, so for me, I like down. So I must have an underlying tendency for anxiety, even right. though, you know, depression. Well, I can see that. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> ADD. Yeah. But, but so that's why I like stimulants because I like to, I like stimulant type of things like I'll tell you, I mean, if I could discuss a lot of my addictions with you, but you know, I like, cause, but I, I see them initially as like performance enhancing. Like I want to function here yeah. and, but my natural self, I can only function here. Right. So stimulants allow me to, to function here in a world where everybody's functioning up here. Or maybe, maybe they're functioning here and you surpass them even, you know? Yeah, because I will take it to the extreme. Like I, like I like, like I never even smoked, but I am addicted to nicotine replacement therapy because I read a study that nicotine makes you smarter and concentrates and and we use it for ADD and, and it has been a battle for me. I mean, I, I've not been able to quit it. Like, and so I was, well, I started with the gum Oh yeah, and it was like at one in the afternoon and I had a lot of patients to see and you know, my job's, it's very academic, right? I have to know. And one strip's not enough and you're eating three of them. No. And by, by the end of a week, I'm chewing $50 $50 worth of gum. <laughs> and I, I, who am I going to tell about this? Right. I can't go to my doctor, but I feel that this is not an acceptable thing to, this is, this is something that I, that I carry. And then I, I, I like I tried every time I tried to stop, I'd get a major depression mm-hmm. because it's also a, a serotonin enhancer for me. So it's a mood elevator yeah. and it makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. Can we back it up based yeah. on that, this conversation? What classifies as an addiction? How do you know you're, what would make you addicted to, I mean, drugs and alcohol might be easy. Yeah. But let's say porn. I'm, I guess, as, you know, still a bit of a caveman. Yeah. Okay. And so how would you, how would you say? I'd say if it's getting in the way of your, yeah. of your life, like if you're missing, like being present for others or caring for yourself, mm-hmm. that, that's when it becomes, when it crosses that line. Yeah. Right? I have a particular interest in the porn thing because I was addicted to porn. And what I believe it does is it, it uh, aside from the fact it's, um, what do you call that? It, uh, immoral. Well, no, immoral, but it, it, uh, it makes women objects, you know. But aside from that, 
if I'm in a relationship and I'm looking at other women having sex, you know, now my wife becomes almost irrelevant. You know, she becomes a, a tool of this, this porn that I want to, you know, I might be thinking about it while I'm making love to her or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that stimulates me. I'm, uh, I think that, uh, I think what also defines an addiction is that if, like you said, if it, it's primary, an addiction is usually primary. In other words, if somebody said you should stop, you don't stop. You know, if somebody said it's, it's affecting your life, you still don't stop. You know, that, right. that's a sign of addiction. That. What about when you say it's affecting your life and you, and you can't still don't stop? stop. And I, that, for, for cocaine, that happened to me for over years. I, I remember I lived in this condo and I would, I'd had all the paraphernalia and, you know, things to snort it and chop it and grind it and whatever the hell. And I had just had enough and I'd throw it down the garbage chute. And the next day I'd go buy another set, you know, and start over again because I knew that it wasn't good for me. And I knew that it was causing me grief. And, and by the way, audience, you know, because I said cocaine made me feel good the first time, I will tell you that it's a rapid decline from feeling amazing to never feeling good enough. And, and where you just, just devastating. Like I, I was suicidal, you know, like it's terrible. And I've had friends. My understanding physiologically is like, so if you're, you're, drug of choice as a stimulant and you're taking that your body works extra hard to bring it down to counteract what you're putting in it so there comes the rebound depression and i i hear you it's bad it's like that re the rebound because your body's you're putting stimulants like say with me with my nicotine replacement aids and my body's going on overdrive to to bring me down so then lethargy like waking up in the morning is like it's it's really hard. It was yeah. really hard. And the mood, right? Like it's, so it's working hard to reduce all your like elevated endorphins by bringing you down. So, yeah. so it's really not effective. It's okay to ask what you, it's where are you with it now? Yeah. It's, it's okay it for you to ask, am I done with it? I'm, you know what? I, I, I have a, a healthy fear of myself. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm done with the vape, like, you know, I got into nicotine replacement by vape because I, I really fundamentally believed that it was harmless, oh, even no. though I'm a health, you guys, cause it's better than smoking, you know, it's Is better it? than this and it's better than that. And, and I also deal with, you know, I was on the front lines dealing with people with like fentanyl addiction and, and, and all sorts of, and crack cocaine addiction. So for me, a harm reduction strategy would have been, you know, vaping nicotine, is harmless in comparison to these other substances. So I had very much normalized it. And I I don't, I like feeling good. I don't like feeling depressed, right? So where am I at today? I, I, am, I came through a very significant withdrawal. I had to be in a place, every year I tried to quit. Every mm-hmm. year and every year I gave up because mm-hmm. there was something in my life that was too stressful or I just didn't want to have that level of depression. I was terrified of depression. You know, that's where pharmacology comes in, me and my medicine, because that's where I feel I can help. Because mm-hmm. there are sometimes medications that can help with the neurotransmitters and serotonin so that the withdrawal process doesn't have to be so painful. So I did uh, antidepressant. For when I quit drugs, that was exactly it. You know, my brain wasn't functioning yeah. after. It was like, it was misfiring. It was just not working well because I had just overtaxed it, you know, I don't know what the things are that connect with each other and, you know, spark and stuff, but it wasn't working well. Wow. And so the, the antidepressant Your dopamine was like, yeah, eat, like off the charts, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. I went on antidepressants for, I think it was six months or a year mm-hmm. as a bridge, you yeah. know, as a bridge to get through while my brain's readjusting itself to normal, you know? 
And most likely that gave you a, a fighting chance of staying sober. Yes. Right? That That's why because I... Because I felt so depressed. I yeah. felt my brain just could not produce that dopamine. You know, it's oh. almost like uh, insulin resistance, you know? Yeah. It could produce it, but it wasn't getting no, recognized. But that's a real thing, Doug. Yeah. Like you, like, unfortunately, the, the amount of dopamine that gets released with that first hit of cocaine or whatever we're doing... That brings you to a high you'll never experience ever again in your life naturally, yeah. right? I heard so that recently, it's yeah. a real, it's 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 a real thing, and, and you're chasing that, and you're yeah. chasing it, chasing the dragon. So you know, smoking cessation, um, you know, there's medications for that now that that really help people quit smoking. But that, it's the same thing. It's like it's a serotonin reuptake inhibitor that caught, like reduces the compulsion, right, and and increases serotonin so that you don't get agitated as agitated or as depressed or eat the whole house so you know the weight gain we used yeah, to yeah, see yeah, with yeah. so i'm glad that you brought up nicotine and i'll tell you why mm -hmm. it's it's huge in the whole biohacking performance enhancing fitness community Is it's it? being promoted um uh, even for weight loss for competitors for ca cutting appetite and as a performance enhancing for cognitive uh, performance as well so it sounds... is it being promoted by philip morris Cigarette oh, yeah, I no, I agree. Tell uh, me more. I'd so like yeah, to... no, no. Again, it, um, so many of the the top biohackers that are out there, big names, are, are just really pushing it, and it just doesn't sound like there's any downside. You brought up something. In, really in what important. form? In what form are well, they? They're talking about whatever vaping? you can: gums, patches, mm -hmm. uh, strips. But those are those are you know what? But yeah, is okay. that controllable? I mean, they're like well, I mean, apparently it's the you know, I mean, I was really hoping never to have to give up vaping because I like it. I like how it made me feel. Nicotine vape, like vape. and there's an oral satisfaction too, right? Apparently, I yeah. think me, I straight up like I could take it right in my veins, right? Okay. Like I'm not okay. kidding. Like right. I, I like how it feels. It it just makes me. And I used to run marathons. And I'd have it in my back. And Did I, it help with endurance? I forget. Yeah, it's help, it helped oh, help me wow. with everything. So I was I was not one, but it does help. So nicotine in high, high quantities can be quite toxic. And that's most likely where I lay. Do you know the milligrams approximately that you were doing? Because these biohackers are talking about eight, four to eight milligrams or something. Well, a day? I'm uh, embarrassed to say. So more I'm than that, just say more than I that. I will just, well, I think way more than that. So so if we're getting a vape that we buy at the vape store and and it's the big one and some days I would go through the whole thing. So I'm not sure how much in, in one that maybe lasts some people like a month of party nights, I would be convinced that I had bought it without batteries, like like that, <laughs> that, that, that it came empty. Yeah, yeah. That's where I was not that long yeah, ago, yeah. Eli. And, and then... But it's it's bad for your circulation because it is in high high quantities and and like that level vasoconstriction. So it's oh, really? blood supply, and you know how yeah. I'm, I'm always trying to work on my libido yeah. and the blood flow to my vagina. Well, I in I felt that that was directly affecting me. So that is the reason why I decided to stop. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think yeah. that's a case with a lot of. It's really a medication. It's a drug, right? And in a sense, it's a drug. Oh, it's nice. And the problem with the drugs is often they have a, a side effect. Mm -hmm. And often the side effect can be really subtle. Like you said, vasodilation or vas it's vasoconstriction. Vasoconstriction. Yeah, constriction. Yeah. So, I mean, for a man, that's that'd be devastating. That means, you know, possibly erection problems and all that stuff. And a woman too, right? And, well, and a woman too, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm certain, like, you know, until I, you know, I have to weigh the pros and cons. <coughs> what, what do I want in my life? So you asked me where I'm at now. So, like, I did go on a medication that... Um, people use for like um weight loss for like obesity and and, and it's it was called contrave and it's got naltrexone we use that for like 
alcohol use disorder to reduce cravings and Wellbutrin. It was a combination. And it allowed me for the first time in 15 years to actually effectively come off nicotine. Oh, nice. And so I am so grateful for this, you know, modern, some modern day medicine, you guys. There's is, a place for it. There is a, yeah, there's yeah. a great place. Yeah. And so now Trexone is, you know, it's an, you know, I think you might know it, like in a different form, it's in, in uh, Suboxone and what people use for opioid use disorders. But, you know, it's, it's in very, very small doses. It can be very effective for mood and pain and, and, and prevent people from using opioids and having, you know, their receptors. Is it addictive? you know, um, I, it's not addictive. It doesn't have. No, it doesn't give you a high. It no. just normalizes things. Yeah, it just sort of you know some of those receptors that are yeah. like desperate to be like attached yeah. to yeah. like those are our cravings. It just kind of blocks some of it, quiets it some down. Dopamine or serotonin. Or no, any, uh, no. And then and then the and yeah no and so the and then the Wellbutrin part of it. Uh, that was the mood in hand. Like I like because the nicotine directly increased my serotonin, and then without that, I, I get depressed. I major depression. You guys, like, I'm I'm done with. I don't want to be like depression is no fun. I, I've had it's too no many experiences sure. with it. It is terrible. You know, which is worse, anxiety or depression? I I don't know. They feel very different to me, but depression is like death. On like it's being alive but not being alive. Yeah. Yeah, I knew I, I knew someone really well who struggled with depression, and I didn't get it. My mom actually used to struggle with depression as well, and I didn't quite understand because, you know, you look at the, their life and it's pretty damn good, but to them it's dark. It's like, what's good about life? You know what? That's it's, depression. It's, it's heavy. It's heavy stuff. And That's I, depression. Yeah, it's depression. Right? Yeah. And when we're in it, we don't see it, right? Like it's like, what's the point? What's the point? Like, but you you know you well I, I, you know how hard it is every day to wake up. And yes, you have a beautiful house, you have a beautiful life, you have a beautiful partner, and you, everyone's telling you, well, why are you depressed? Like that type of attitude makes me a little upset because well, I thought, but I don't think it's it's meant to be harmful. It's just ignorance, you know. It's a yeah, lack of knowledge yeah. of what depression is. And I didn't. I knew this person really well, and I didn't. I won't say who and. But I didn't understand it. I really struggled with it. I like I say I used to say that, but not in a mean way. Like, look you at just your didn't life. Get it. Like, look at your life. Yeah. What is, what is what's wrong with it? Like, but I didn't understand that sort of chemical problem mm. that, she, that she was having. You know, and it was like yeah. she was really struggling and struggling to get it. Like you said, struggling to get out of bed, struggling to have yeah. a shower, yeah. struggling to go to work. Yeah. Struggling to wash, you guys. Yeah. Like, believe it or wash not, or like clean you know, or, or just and the, yeah. yeah. And it's you so know, you deal a lot with um, addictions in, in in your practice, though, like of all of all kinds. Absolutely, and it is something I'm very passionate about because it affects so many people, and and it it's really does. Yeah, and I mean, it, you know, and then there's all sorts of different. Well, you you've been in recovery, took so there's different models of recovery, and there's yeah. different methods, and you know, it's not a straight line, and you know, I have all have a tendency probably to be addicted to something my whole life. I have to be very mindful. It's a lot of work, right? But yeah. the work is fun now for me. Like it's a, it's a, but, but you, you know, abstinence allows the brain to recover. Yes. So that's the importance of abstinence, right? And I know that a lot of people are like the, this sort of, I'm not going to quit alcohol because I, it's part of my life and, and, you know, and I need to be able to drink. So controlled drinking programs, that's, that's, a, that's one way people try. I don't know if there's controlled cocaine programs, no, but uh, I don't think so. Yeah, well, no, maybe I, not. I mean, I've been a long time, but 
I don't think so. Well, a lot of people can control their cocaine already, right? Like that's why they're not addicts. Yeah, some people yeah. can use it for yeah like, for a weekend and then yeah, not I use know. it for six don't months. Love, I, I never Eli. understood those people. I'm like, what's wrong with probably you? Eli. Probably Eli. You're not. Have you? No. No, I never tried. We, we we haven't got to your addictions yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know why I'm pointing at you, but you know, going back to the porn addiction. On the caveman. On no, the I think porn. I really like to hear more about because this. because it I'm affects. To be it does affect dopamine as well. There's a oh. rush that you get, mm-hmm. right? So it's not. It's not like this thing that you're watching. It's it's affecting your brain and how you know how your brain reacts to stimulants and stuff. It's a stimulant. It's another form of stimulation. It's just a visual stimulation as opposed to something you put in your body. And it can be the same kind of addiction. You know? Is it is it not the release that you get watching the porn? Like the sexual release? Is is that part of the addiction? I don't know that I, I masturbated when I watched porn. I just watched porn. Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't get yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't watch porn for the sake of watching without having a Oh, really? Yeah. Some business in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Business in mind. Oh, well, I don't know. I'm no expert. All I know is I struggled with it for a few years after my recovery from uh, drugs. And then, uh, you know, by the grace of God, it just went away. I, I haven't seen it in 25 years, you know. Well, we're humans and like we are sort of instinct where we're run like you know our That's instincts well i mean we like to, to have compassion for ourselves at times right you need you do need to have compassion for yourself or you can't get better because yes. just damning yourself and shaming yourself yeah. there's no place in that in the in the process of recovery yeah so maybe- but i think that porn and i'm, I'm a big uh, advocate against porn is, is a, a the word i was looking for before is objectify you know it objectifies women and it ultimately it object, objectifies your partner as well so if I watch porn, I'm, I'm objectifying those women for my pleasure. And then I'm objectifying my wife because I see her in the light of this porn. You know, she's no longer my wife. She's, well, how does she compare to the porn that I watch, you know? And so I know that I'm probably, uh, you know, a lot of people will think that I'm, because uh, I know a lot of people watch porn. I know it's well, very, very, obviously it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And some women participate from an empowered place. I, I need to, because I, there's women, we, I think you and I, have, I like that I respect yeah. greatly. It's not a who are, No, no, but, but I just meant not everyone is, is without power who, contri- who, who participates in the porn world, right? right? Like, and, and, you know, I mean, it's, women that I know who are empowered. Empowerment means you, you've had an option to do something else. Uh, you can do, it's not your only choice. And I you're agree not by with force. you, by the way, but I also think, that they come from some sort of damaged background because I believe, I believe that the body is sacred and to give over a body to just sex is, is a violation of the body. And I don't think I, I'm, I agree. They can make a choice, but well, that's a we bit of a about, fundamentalist well, attitude you have though. No, like well, we talked like about something very <laughs> similar before yeah. that sometimes my choices come from something that's happened to me in the past. Yeah. And so I'll react to something or I'll do something. I think it's free choice and it is free choice, but it's from something that's happened to me in the past. And our history determines a lot of the decisions we make going forward. Mm -hmm. So although they may be empowered, they made the choice that I I could have done A or I could have done B. I I chose B, which is porn. Or I've done A and I've done B and I'm choosing porn. Like Like I think you need to have experienced your empowerment 
in in different ways in life. I am a fundamentalist, by the way. You are a fundamentalist. Yeah. No, but I think you're allowed on. The, is he allowed on the show, Eli? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it's, we're open to everybody. I mean, no, no, no you're very brave, Doug. Like, like <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'd true. be much like me, and I mean, that's just uh, like the. You could get crucified for being a Christian these days, right? Oh, yeah. And 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 speaking uh, it aloud. So way to go. Yeah. Well, you know? I, I believe it. So. Um, so let's talk more about um, uh, medication. So, you know, antidepressants and stuff, because to me that fact, you know, well, you know, I'm on some now because I had a rough couple of years personally in business and whatever. And I thought I was doing fine. And then I started doing therapy and the stuff just bubbled to the surface. And I'm like, oh, and I started, my spirit just dropped, you know, and I'm like, oh no. And so I'm doing it as a bridge to get me from here to the next place. And, you know, I don't see it as, I know it's not permanent. It could be six months, it could be a year. And I have, you know, I think that's good. I think people should be, and I think it's important we talk about it mm -hmm. because I think even today, antidepressants have a stigma attached to them. Well, it's got to be something wrong with you if you need an antidepressant. But, well, there's something wrong with me. But not that's not why I take antidepressants, you know. Like, uh, I think it's a good thing, you know. And mine haven't, I don't think, quite kicked in yet because I think of... Well, you're just on a baby dose. So that, you I'm know on what? a baby I mean, dose and, and it's what? only been a couple of weeks. And, so. and, and you know what is that's good that we can speak openly. So we typically, we choose something that would like, that would be in keeping with how you want to feel. And, and for men, especially it's, it's the sexual side effects of medication is very important. Right. And the one that we chose for you had very few sexual yes, side effects. Because you mentioned another one and I'm like, no, and that was a hard no for my you. Sex drive, yeah. yeah, I know that's not. So, that's so not many true. people do not get the care that they need because of the side effects of SSRI. Right. So on the, for that classification of drugs, do they all do the same thing? Do they all work via the same pathway, dopamine, serotonin, whatever it might be? There's some similarities, but yeah. of course, each one has a different side effect profile and everybody reacts differently. So it's just trying it. And then, you know, you know how many times I hear, oh, I tried that. I didn't like how it felt. So I'm going to continue to suffer, right? And, and suffer and not like, you know, not be happy and potentially abuse and like self-medicate with drugs yes. or alcohol or cannabis because the side effect profile of the SSRI that they tried once did not work. So it's just, it, it's not a quick fix, right? And every body, human body reacts to medication differently. Like they do to drugs, like exactly. cocaine, like they exactly. do to alcohol. It's, there's a, there's a We start low, Doug, to make sure there's no side effects. And then we usually you have a healthcare provider who doesn't just drop you because she goes away and and you come back more frequently and and right and i check in and say yeah. how are you doing and yeah. i have my criteria for how i assess it's very it's on a paper and it's it's medical you know but i look at you as a person i ask you how like right and what you're telling me today is it's not working it's not doing anything so I, I, well, I didn't say that. We, I just said, uh, first, first of all, I think it's too soon. Yeah. Because, you know, it takes you, six weeks at six least. Six weeks. I think yeah. I've only been in it two or three weeks. But I, we should, we, you would notice maybe a subtle difference. Like, what was your most significant symptom? Uh, that it just at random, my, my spirit would just drop. Like, I would just be suddenly be sad. Yeah. And how's for no that reason. today? It was what? Uh, I don't know. It's uh, less, maybe. Ah. Maybe less. See, it's so, so, right? Maybe. Everybody, it's not I, a magic. It doesn't other, change you. The other thing is I don't sleep well. So I fall asleep easy because I'm exhausted. But then I wake up in the middle of the night. And I'm hoping that this will help that too. You know, Because that makes it worse. Of course. Waking up at two in the morning 
Oh. And not being able to sleep makes my depression. Like, I just feel depressed after that. No, Doug, you're absolutely yeah. right. It's it's a vicious circle. Yeah. And usually we would start with sleep, right? Try, you know, sleep is a very important part of our mood. So oh, if you're huge. not getting that, huge. you know, some people like to just take sleep aids, right? And But that's, it's not, it's not necessary. There's that rebound effect again, right? You take a sleeping pill, your body comes still right not down. not adjusting that root cause. Yeah, and then next day your body's going boom, 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 up, 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 up. So, you, so we get these rebound mood symptoms with sleep aids, which is why Doug chose something that was much, much more... Um, Subtle, I think. Yeah, and it, required, it, it requires you to do a whole bunch of other things to address, like to get to the tools you need to use to to feel better, like yeah. therapy, yeah. like your men's group, like exercise and eating. So the I'm medication big, just gets... I'm a big gets supporter of therapy. I'm like, yeah. like, even that used to have a stigma. I don't know if it has as much of a stigma now than it used to have, but if you're going for therapy, there's something wrong with you, you know? Well, there's something wrong with all of us. Yeah. And, you know, it's just dealing with some situational stuff and working through it so that... I think you're right. And healing from that. And then, so my goal, with, and I'm taking the Wellbutrin, right? So uh, my goal with the Wellbutrin is... It's going to help me get through this period. I can deal with whatever the issues were for the last couple of years, whether it be COVID or the business almost failing or all those things that I struggled through that I didn't realize were affecting me. And then get to the other side and off I go again. And, and Doug, don't ever forget that you did at one time in your life have a cocaine addiction. So you're always going to be, you're never going to be operating at a serotonin level. Like, so like that. I don't know, bridge. but I was operating at a pretty high level before COVID hit. COVID was a real, uh, not oh, the COVID part. COVID. I wasn't worried about COVID. No, but COVID was. But the business side of it was disastrous for us, you know, and other things happened personally. And it was just a really tough time. But I do operate at a pretty high level. No, I'm not saying that you're not operating, but yeah. I'm just saying that you ha probably have to work extra hard to get your endorphins up to yeah. a level that that is like, and sometimes that just gets exhausting. Like I know what I need to do to, to feel a Zen and that's like, it doesn't look like having a job because, because it spends a whole day like involved in like breathing and you know, the world is a busy place and we all can't yeah. just like deep breathe and talk to our therapist, right? We need to, so, so there, it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. I, and, 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 and the pandemic and the social, social isolation and the fear is seriously impacted Huge. The world. And I so see we have that a health plan in our, in our company. Oh, okay. And the thing that rose the most, it almost tripled, was based around um, psychological, psychological yeah. issues, you know. That spending on our health plan from our employees went up triple yeah. after the pandemic or during and after the yeah. pandemic, you know. And so it was huge. The impact was huge. It was hard on kids. It was hard on... Oh. It's hard on the kids trying to go to school. It was hard on... And, the, and then the, you know, and that's why, you know, there are a lot of people, go, like their, their habits, what, what would have been like sort of maybe normal drinking, you know, has, has gone to that, mm -hmm. over that tipping point now. And that, that's, and now there's so many people who can't come back. They're trying to get back and they can't, and they're surprised, they're shocked. And, and those people, we need them to come forward and, you know, and, and have a safe place to say, I, I can't just stop. And hopefully recognize that the last two years did affect them. You know? Yeah. I didn't think it affected me. I was modeling wrong. I'm like, cause I'm a tenacious person. I'm a strong personality. I'm an alpha male. So I'm just getting through all the stuff and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But as soon as I started therapy, like not as soon as somewhere in that, in the sessions, I'm like, something comes to the surface and I'm like, and suddenly I'm just like, Oh my God, mm -hmm. you know, as soon as I let the, uh, 
the genie out of the bottle, it was, it was heavy. You well, know? because you're talking about stressful things. So yeah. your stress hormones are then releasing all sorts of like what you're talking about, cortisol and yeah. right. So that so you're physiologically producing stress hormones that won't, that will affect your mood yeah. in Excuse therapy. Me. Back to, I want mm-hmm. to, I think every country, every language knows the term antidepressant. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that everyone, including myself, understands that how it works, what are some of its side effects, and then how it could affect you, those side effects affect you on a mm-hmm. day-to-day. Because everything we're talking about, we're, everyone's bombarded. I mean, okay. whether you believe yourself to be affected by mental health issues or not, no, you're right. I mean, you're, you're, you're just literally a monk or some zen for some mountain retreat <laughs> short of that i think we're dealing everyone's dealing with stuff absolutely so maybe a, make a, a brief sort of understanding about antidepressants how they work and and what are the potential signs so when we we talk about antidepressants they're like it's not just one right it's there's there's a range and they're right? families of antidepressants. oh and they and right there's medication <clears throat> the serotonin reuptake inhibitors are, are the more common S- ones S- ssri ssri right and that and you know serotonin plays a big role in our mood so both anxiety and depression and then there's other forms there's like norepinephrine reuptake take inhibitor that's the wellbutrin so it's about all your different um, neurotransmitters we have a whole bunch and some some of these antidepressants work on certain neurotransmitters like dopamine or serotonin norepinephrine and so it like you kind of have to so there's so many different classes and then there's the old-fashioned the ones like when people say antidepressants from maybe you know people in our age those are the like tricyclic antidepressants, and we don't use those as much anymore, right? Those are older, and the side effect profile of the older generation, like that's where a lot of the negatives come. Like negatives meaning like, you know, no emotion or sexual side effect, weight gain. Like who wants, who's going to join, who's going to sign up for a weight gain? And they affect, like you said, each one affects people. Like even in SSRI family, I imagine each one is slightly different. Yeah. So I remember back when I was uh, getting out of addiction, I got on the antidepressants. The first one I tried, my brain just went nuts. Like I was seeing things and I remember calling my doctor going, I'm like freaking out here. You know, it just did not work well with my brain. It was probably an SSR. I don't you know, know, it doesn't, you know what, I, if, you, if you told me the name, I could tell you more. So, I don't remember, it was so long ago. So, so but Eli, if you came to me and you were experiencing, you know, and it depends, some, some of these, we use them for both anxiety and depression. They're called antidepressants. And, but, you know, some are more effective for anxiety and some are a little more for anxiety symptoms. That's when you're racy and fast and your heart beats and you, you're overthinking. Like anxiety is when we're living in like catastrophe, what will happen, yes. right? And uh-huh. depression is more about like living in the past, right? Like it, it, and it is a slower. So, you know, it, it's, it's, there, there's there's different proponents to look at. So it, when you're when we're talking about antidepressants, it's not it's not just one. So ask me a question again. I know a friend who was on Seroquel and it just was okay. crazy. So that's an antipsychotic. Okay. Okay. So that's not an. That's it can class, be used off label yeah. for depression, okay. major mood disorder, depression, bipolar disorder, schizo like it, that. So we use a lot of these meds off label. Right. Um, Seroquel at a very, very, very small dose can be very effective for sleep, you know, for certain people, but like microdose, right? Like, or very high levels and everybody. So that would not be a drug that I would jump to 
for somebody who is, you know, depressed, depressed or... right off the head. Yeah, I don't think psychiatrists like like that's the big leaks. The, the psychiatric psychiatrists like they're for like very complex mental health issues, right? Like that are need those. Sometimes we need those drugs, yeah. right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I think there's in my mind there's two types of depression. There's sort of a situational mm-hmm. circumstance depression. And then there's a chemical depression that is, I think, much more intense and really maybe is more of a lifelong dealing with it rather than, you know, in my situation where it's a bridge to get yeah. somewhere because it's situational. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Like, what do they call that? Uh, uh, the type that's chemical. Like, it's actually a... Biochemical? No. I lost the word. I had it. But the, um, your neurotransmitter. Clinical depression. Oh, clinical. Yes. Well, cl- but but a situational depression can lead to a clinical depression, right? Okay. It can. But I always thought clinical depression is like the the you neurons aren't firing it. properly, and it's just that's sort of a permanent thing. It's like, oh no, no, it doesn't have to be permanent. Okay. But you, but but if you've had like depressive episodes that start in like adolescence, and and you you know there is a tendency to have a predisposition for that again in your life. Okay. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not the, the neuroscientist here and I, I want to be careful about what I say because you guys have a huge audience and I don't want to be caught up on my details. So I'll speak on in generalities because that makes it more interesting. Doesn't it? You like sure, yeah, yeah, way more, but yeah, I like your everybody. questions and, but I'm not like, I'm not going to get sued for my answers. I hope. No, we're not. Uh, well, we're, we're definitely not medical people. We're not, you know, this is a, this is a, uh, Sort of a high level just discussion. About I'm even afraid more of the medical community. I'm afraid of them because yeah. you, if you, you got to be careful about your words, and you know, I think we're more philosophical yeah. than we are medical. You know, yeah. in terms of our discussions. And there's been no advice given, anyways, on this show. So. Yeah. Okay. Good. No, I haven't. No, I just trying to. Yeah. Because only advice I, like I would give is don't to you guys. I love it. You guys are so open. Like this is lovely. Yeah. So the different kinds, and you. Uh, so someone comes in and they're struggling with or depressive state or feeling depressed or whatever, how do you assess what is the right thing to do? Like, what is the package that you offer them? Because there's medication, but I'm sure there's more. Like, I believe, I'm a strong believer in therapy. I, yeah. I believe that, so if I wasn't doing therapy, I probably wouldn't take antidepressants because I'm not doing anything to get across the yeah. bridge, you know? Like I, if but you're they, a privileged man with, with income, and therapy I'm, is I'm expensive, the right? Like, s- therapy is not accessible to many people. There is some therapy that's, that's covered by OHIP. You have to wait a long time. Yeah, and, there's, and so in the, you know, and, mm. and we, you know what, there's been a lot of lip service paid to mental health and addiction and a lot of resources, yeah. uh, you know, apparently, right? Like, there ha- like, I have seen that. There's been a lot of talk and a lot of programs developed and, but you know, in the pandemic, uh, like they weren't accessible to many people, yeah. right? Like the 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 labor force too in the healthcare world is like declining every single day. Yeah. And you know, now that people are all aware of mental illness and mental health, and they're trying to act, it's like okay, for three hundred dollars, you can come and see me. And, and think of how many people cannot access. That's that. terrible. What it bothers me that our our system. We used to have a. You know, we used to be the gold standard of the world for our healthcare system. And I feel it's diminished so dramatically that the things that we focus on. So, you know, I went through a program in, in Brockville for my addiction. I spent 40 days there or 30 days. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. 
those programs are really hard to get into now. Like it, they're really hard. Like about that time I called and you're like, yeah. Was I all hip? Co- I mean, a provincial healthcare. Oh, I was all covered and I could show up in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And now there's a waiting list for you. Like who wants to wait a year? I'm struggling with addiction. I got to wait a year to get better. Like seriously, a year. Like it's insane. There, there's you know? some obstacles. And there's something you have to pay for now. And why isn't the government dumping tons, especially after the pandemic, dumping tons of money into healthcare, of mental health care and all these things, you know, therapy. Like we should be covering therapy. Therapy is uh, to me is like almost essential. Everybody's had trauma in their life to some degree or another, some excessive and some minor, but everybody's had trauma. Well, if we we're going to relook at the whole healthcare system and how it's delivered, I do agree with you. You know, if we, if we took care of some of these things that are less costly up front, we wouldn't be paying bazillion dollars for when somebody who has an addiction problem ends up in ICU for repeatedly at the end stages. That's when the, the, the healthcare dollars are high, right? So all of our resources are going into like a lot of our resources, like the, the like are going to hospitalizations, but yeah, prevention and, would have been therapy years before. And in terms of prevention, mental health mm. affects our physical body. Yeah, absolutely. So I wonder then, do the institutions, as a medical institution here, and the uh, mental health uh, institution, are there any synergies? Is there, they're coordinating. Are, it, There's a l- do they line yeah. up at all and beat each other, sort of thing? There, there's an idea that they like. There's an idea that they do. I work in it, and it's very difficult. I like, you know, I hear. You sound I like you're in the middle of it. I, and you know what? In one, I'm in. I'm trying. You know, yeah. when I, you know what? I, you know, when I go to my therapist, and in, there is. A, this therapist that I could afford at one time um, and, you know, Harvard trained and amazing. And, and yet he's sitting in an office, like, you know, helping me. And then I'm help like, but I always thought, why isn't he on the front line with all his expertise? And you know, what, why, why isn't he there? Cause he could be much more effective than me. So then there's me, I'm there. I'm a nurse practitioner. I'm not a Harvard trained psych- psychologist, but you know, he helps me so that I can help other people. So, but I have to pay for him. So anyway, I, I think that, I just think it's a little, we don't have it organized properly. The people who need to be accessed are, are un, un, unaccessible. Yeah, and I'm, I appreciate you calling me out that I'm privileged because it's true. And I forget that sometimes. I forget that I have access to pretty much anything I want. And there's nothing more dangerous than an unqualified counselor or mental oh, health. Yes. There's nothing more dangerous. Oh, yes, that's true. Right. And, and, and there's, a, there's a world of unregulated health professionals that are, that are presenting themselves as counselors and that's dangerous stuff. Right. And so with, with, with healthy caution and fear, um, I, I tell everybody. So I'm going back to the question and uh, I'm not sure, do we need to wrap up or, okay. Uh, I'll go back to the question. Somebody comes in and they're struggling with some form of depression you know, and they're really, they're really having a tough time. How do you, I mean, aside from the potential medication that might bridge the gap, how, is there any things you can do? Like, was there other things that you do as sort of a holistic approach or is it, is it difficult for you to do that because of the limitations of our system? Thanks, brother. Yeah. There are some limitations for what I can do, uh, what I'm comfortable doing because I'm, as I'm, I am a, I am a professional and I understand that it's not my role to go digging into trauma when I'm not trained to what do you do with, when you bring someone's trauma out, 
you if you don't know what oh, to yeah. do, right? Oh, no, that's it's dangerous. a very that's... dangerous. So yeah. so I I you know I of course I'm I'm assessing for anybody who is actively suicidal or right, and and I have a due diligence to get them to where they need to go. Right. But for everybody else, yes, yes. And, you know, and, I, and it's 10 minutes appointment a lot of times and it's virtual care and sometimes it's even on chat. So yeah. I have resources, like I have, like a, it's, here's an idea, some medication, but I don't always start with that. It has to go with where the person's at. And if there's any drugs and alcohol involved, yeah. that has to be addressed first. Of course, that's a primary and thing. That, you, that, and that's, you know, whether it's food, the food addiction component is huge right now as well. So, so the, the coping strategies, we, we need to discuss those. So in 10 minutes, what do I do? I try and figure out what their risks are, what their support is. Okay. Do they have the means to afford medication? Are they somebody that's even interested in medication? Right. If you're not interested in medication, then what that, are they hoping for then if they're not interested in medication or like what, are, what would someone come to you for struggling with depression? Like, would they come and say, I'm feeling depressed or do you recognize that in the, in the yeah, it's, it's a variety of things. I mean, I, I'm trying to stay in my lane these days. Right. I can smell depression across a room, Doug, yeah. right? Of course. That's, that's my, that's my, that's it. my thing, right? <laughs> I can, I can feel it, but virtual allows me a little bit of like, emotional separation right but i still feel like i can see it yeah. you know i like to just person i like i like to normalize it you know i like to make sure they're going to be safe i like to like let them know always have a place to come back to to call not just a line a phone line that nobody answers and people are getting tired of oh no you need to call here or no you need to call there they get everybody's getting redirected so, so i have a present conversation in the moment and i ask them how it is what 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 does it look like to help them today okay and but because of limitations your limitations as a nurse practitioner but also limitations of our system it's if they need like a multifaceted approach mm -hmm. to what they're dealing with you don't have that access to all that right you're saying that it's I not, have it's not always i i know the resources doug like i'm resource rich right okay. i know them all i up in my like i know where to send people so yes that's what i do okay. like there's canadian mental health association oh no i know i don't leave anybody without a wealth of resources in each province i now know okay right okay and and i figured out because i asked people what was that like did you get a phone call back you know quebec right now is it's quite difficult and and then we have these so so as a like i'm i have to stay very much in touch with the resources that are that are that are out there and they change every day i have one last question mm -hmm. before you wrap up i believe our prime minister is an absolute buffoon but uh if you could talk to the prime minister and say this is what our country needs in terms of mental health what would it be not our prime minister because he's an idiot but a good prime minister you know a good leadership in our country what would it be that we need free psychological help free medical help a, a recognition that this is a real problem maybe you know what I'm saying? Do you like, not think that there's a lot of recognition? I think that the recognition is there. The solution is very difficult. But true recognition means you want to do a solution. You can't just say, oh, I recognize you're dep depressed. Okay, good luck, you know. Recognizing depression or whatever, struggling psychologically, means that you want to do something about it. You can't just leave them floundering. Well, I, and you know what? I think that, because you know what? I think that it is, the world has changed so rapidly, like with technology 
and and right that that there is more and more mental health and yes. addiction problems right yes. that, that we're not keeping up i don't think it can be completely in the hands of of medicine right our communities like back in the day some of the religions like yes. we're not talking about religion but yes, say we are. you know, sure, you let's know talk about say member like community like religion did serve a purpose for people with mental health right and 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 connectivity and in a in a clinical environment cannot fill, fill that void yeah because i also believe a lot of depression comes from spiritual stuff yeah, as well there's absolutely. a spirit a very deep spiritual i know i'm a very yeah. spiritual man so i'm not void spiritually but when i am struggling my my spirit drops because i'm not i'm maybe not wanting to connect with god mm -hmm. in that moment you know and i'm so ideally everybody should be able to afford a 300 dollar an hour therapist yeah everybody yeah. that would probably be save a lot of money down down the road wouldn't it would it? would you like to do a therapist yeah, do you for like? sure have you do you go to therapy on occasion yeah. Yeah. yeah it's expensive it's not 300 dollars an hour i don't think no, I no, but, I mean, that, you know, but yeah i, I, I think it's a lot a, of problems i have a lot of problems i, I have to pay a lot okay i pay <laughs> like 165 i think for an hour session. and you know and you know and what, it's and still I, a lot of money for a lot of people that's well, and, and people also, it's on people as well, right? It's also, it's time, like, people will invest in their clothes and their car and their windows and their houses. And, and, and you know what, our, our healthcare system cannot absorb all the costs anymore. So it is a little bit. We are going to have to start paying for our health. It's not, you know, that promise is gone. We, we can't sustain it. That's the reality. Oh, the Americans would love to hear that because they can't stand the, the idea of social health care. Well, we need to wrap up. I think I, be, I feel like we barely scratched the I surface. Know. I know. I feel like guys, we, we could have gone for another couple of hours here. I, we have to do more of this because, I, well, this topic is so essential. Sexual health is essential, but I think mental health is even more essential, and especially now post pandemic. And mm -hmm. So much struggle. You know, you talk about uh, weight gain, like just food addictions and. You know, maybe more porn addiction. Yeah, maybe we didn't more get alcoholism. to the weight weight stuff because there's amazing medicine. So have me back because I have a lot. Kelly, to talk I would about love that. to have you back. Well, <laughs> thanks. Don't forget to subscribe, hit the like button, and hit the bell if you got a bell there to remind you every time <laughs> there's a new sound. session. And then, uh, what else am I supposed to say? Um, well, comments. Fine. Didn't you have? Oh yeah, comments? leave comments. Yeah, leave comments. And and if you have specific topics you think we should talk about, again, real topics, mature topics, not silly stuff, but. Real stuff, because we want to talk about real stuff. I don't want to talk about real life. I don't want to talk about foolishness, you know? Yeah, and, you know, there's a, in our, our youth, like, they're our future. Oh, yeah. And they're suffering right now. They're suffering. I mean, my son does okay because I really was able to walk him through it. But, you know, someone, and I only have one, right? I mean, I have two now because I'm married. But, you know, if they, you have multiple kids and they're all just struggling and the parents can't keep up and they're struggling and they're... You know, post pandemic. So, anyways, we'll, we we got to do this again. We have, we have, we got like a we got about five hours worth of material, maybe ten. I like 20. your questions, though, you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Kelly. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Guys.